Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. If I were to ask you and be transparent, be vulnerable, be bottom line authentic. If I were to ask you where the source of your confidence stemmed from, like what makes you confident in a particular area? Let's just say jobs. What makes you confident that you are competent in your particular career field? What makes you confident about the decisions you make day to day? What makes you confident that what you plan to do in the next 6 to 12 months is going to actually, I don't know, yield the result that you're wishing for or standing on faith on? Like what is the source of your confidence? And I'll tell you for a while, uh, for most it probably was money. Like, oh, I'm good. As long as I'm continuing to make such and such, I'll be able to afford my lifestyle. I'll be able to make those decisions. I'll be able to eat all the above. For some, it was, you know, having a particular friend group. Oh, I would always be supported. I'm never going to be bored. I'm never going to be lonely because I got my A1s. And, you know, I've been friends with such and such for however long. For some, it's the connection that they have to their family. Oh, my family, we are close-knit. We come together. We do this, that, and the third. And while all that may be true, be it true, I think that when the source of your confidence is something that has the ability to be unstable, that you're actually building your house on shaky ground. I think that when we plug into the source of other people, we need to go ahead and just identify that we're probably going to be dimmer than we actually intended. And I'll tell you where this came from. I'm on this old freedom walk, right? And the more components that I discover about freedom, the more I'm like, okay, so that goes in my arsenal because I truly feel that as you're navigating life, when God trusts you enough or you elevate and mature enough to a level that he can show you the areas that allow for you to dismantle the things that used to enslave and shackle you, that you need to make a note of it. You need to identify it. You need to dissect it. You need to become a student of it. But most importantly, you need to put it in the arsenal of your life. Because what shackles someone else may not necessarily shackle you. And so when you find the key to the thing that has locked and pulled and anchored you for so long, you need to not only thank God first and foremost, but you need to say, and I will never be shackled again. And how do you go ahead and confirm that you become a student to the shackle so that you know the signs of it before you ever have to have the residue of it? You see what I'm saying? So whenever there's a freedom check, a freedom download of any sort, it's almost like a epiphany for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. The one thing that I think wherever walk of life people come from that they can honestly kind of commune over is at one point or another, you didn't feel as confident that certain things were going to work out. 
You didn't know if that particular job was for you. You didn't know that that relationship and taking that particular risk was going to pan out. You didn't know that moving to that particular part of the country, part of the state was going to work out. You did not know. You did not know, but something made you confident. Something was concrete enough for you to go ahead and make a decision on it. And so I started looking into some things and I was like, man, just like biblically off back. When I was thinking about the disciples during the storm, I was like, all the examples that I'm getting ready to look at, these were people that actually had something that was almost tormenting them. And it was clear, as clear as can be, that there was no confidence here. The disciples during a storm, Jesus when he was sleeping on the boat and they thought they was going to drown. Then that time that they thought Jesus was a ghost and Peter walked on water right beforehand. And when Ananias sent or was sent to go ahead and lay his hands on Paul at that time he was Saul because of the whole thing that happened on Damascus with the scales on his eyes when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness when the Israelites were going on their way to the promised land when the Israelites were actually at the Red Sea there were some things that I was like whoo like reading the Bible you're like oh that's a great you know what that illustration you can pull so much fruit from it there's so many different lessons it has become pastoral favorites but when you really start reading the Bible as if you were at the center of it, you start looking like, bruh, I can understand. <laughs> I can understand the emotional realm of it all. I can understand the scared and all the other negative feelings that may have come along with that. I understand because you are reading chapters ahead and they knew no idea what was going to happen even minutes ahead. And so there's some things that you got to like put yourself in the center of and say, yo I I'm not gonna hold you if I was the disciple and Jesus was asleep and it was the clashing and all that going on with the waters and the winds and the wind and he was asleep and I started to see that we having a hard time I probably would have woke him up too like sir do you not see there will there'll be a couple of if I was on the boat and we rowing hard and then out of the blue, in all my years of living, I see something walking on water. I'm not going to hold you. There will be some fear, okay? It would just be like, okay, so this is three. Either I'm super tired because I'm starting to see double to the point that I'm starting to see transparent uh, figures looking like humans walking on water or something. But I know for it to be all this o'clock in the morning, it got to be it gotta be sleepiness. But most importantly, I'm very much afraid. If I was Ananias and all of a sudden was like, hey, remember that dude that was going ahead and killing Christians? Yeah, I need you to go lay hands on him because he's had a change of heart. Sir, has it been a week? Because when I read Damascus, he was on his way to. Um, We know how that worked out, but Ananias wasn't cute on game. It's like, uh, we... I just heard yesterday, buddy was still laying hands with no prayer. (laughs) Um, We sure that's what we getting ready to do. Yeah, the promised land, all the other different things. It's like when you put yourself in the center of that, you're like, you know what? I don't, I don't flag them for not being the most confident in that. But then now that I have a different mindset, now that I have a different perspective as to how I not only read the Bible, but how I'm living my life in a Bible way. And when I say that, it is you cannot read this Bible. You cannot walk this thing out called Christianity. You cannot walk with God and truly not have an entirely different experience on how you live out your life. It is impossible. 
I do not believe that you can be so close to something and not have the residue of the thing that you're closest to on you. When Peter tried to go ahead and deny Jesus, the people around him was like, no way, bro. (laughs) No way. You have to be one of his disciples because you sound just like him. That's like somebody coming from the island and then coming over to the United States immediately, not even a two, three sentences in. You're like, where are you from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it is clear uh, the way you just said that particular phrase. Yeah, it's clear that you're from mm-mm. you ever heard somebody from the south go to New York or for someone from the north come come down. We know exactly immediately oh no 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 you're from Baltimore the way you just pronounce it no 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 that's a Louisiana accent there is an accent there is a flavor there is a flair there is something on someone when you are saturated in it and if you're going to walk this thing called Christianity if you're going to go ahead and declare and be confident and bold and say listen I'm I'm a human being but I'm a spirit being okay that no there's some promises that on earth I'm going to get because the Bible says that if I bound it in heaven I can bind it on earth and if I loose it in heaven I can loose it on earth I could tell mountains to go ahead and flee and go and this shall be moved all I have to have is a little bit of faith the size of a mustard seed my father said I have not because I ask not so guess what I'm getting ready to start asking there's a certain flair that you have to have and when you start walking like that people have to look at you and your life and go my gosh you gotta be you a Christian <laughs> you see what I'm saying there is something different about a person that's saturated in something different. Be not of this world. Do not be conformed. Romans 8 said, I mean, it's all these things that's being said in Romans 12 in different areas that constantly tells you, listen, you're set apart. So when you're set apart, I need you to do things differently. I need you to walk differently. I need you to talk differently. I need you to believe differently. I need you to see differently. I need your perspective to be different. I need you to congregate with people different. You may not be able to go to the same places. You may not be able to listen to the same music. You may not be able to watch the same shows and movies. But there's something about you that is literally the kingdom is banking on you. You have to be different because you're from a different source. The way that you see stuff is from a different source. The way that you are led to things is from a different source. Many people are driven, but what is the initiating substance of the catalyst of you being driven? Some people are driven out the yin-yang, but it's because of money. They had a poor relationship with money when they were younger or at some point in their life, and they made this declaration of, I never, I'm never going to be in that place again. And so they've led salary and money and finances be a determinant for them. Some people have it where they feel like they don't have a lot, lot to add. So what they will add is they muscle and a body figure or whatever the case may be. And so they let the workout not be driven off of, you know, that's a part of healthy living or anything else. It's a part of someone's going to want me only with this particular body. Someone else has it where no one else in their family has this particular degree or this particular accolade and they want to be the first in their family so they can always get the clap, clap applause of, oh, you know, such and such just got her such and such. And, you know, she just was blah, blah, blah. And And they will let the pride of that because anything that directs and continues to direct back to you and not to the source who actually allowed and provided that for you is pride. 
You want people to keep clapping about what you're doing. You want people to keep remembering what you've done. You want people to keep remembering your accolade or whatever the case may be. And you don't understand that the source of your determination and acceleration is pride. There are some things that you got to step back on and go, why am I that way in that area? But most importantly, the main question that I asked from the beginning of this phone call is what is the source of your confidence? And all the particular examples that I gave, there was one thing that rang true for the freedom walk that I'm currently on and how I literally see things going forward it literally has changed my life. There is an absence of fear when I know that God's there. But more importantly, there's an absence of fear when I know that God led me there. Oh, you mean to tell me that God will lead you somewhere that won't be the most pleasant all the time, every day of the week, 24-7? Correct. Correct. What does Psalm 23 say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I'm sorry. You here too? So why we didn't recalculate and go another way? What happened? Did you not know this part of town, sir, that you created? I don't really what happened. Yeah, let's go back and look at some of the examples. The disciples on the boat, where it's the raining and it's the, I'm sure it was a lot going on. I'm sure it was probably water getting inside the boat. I'm sure it was a, it was a whole entire thing, but you know what being in that with this new perspective could have done for me. I am not going to automatically just assume that something terrible is going to happen because Jesus is with me. Thou art with me. Thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So instead of waking him up and going, sir, what you getting ready to do? We getting ready to drown. I would have woke him up like, so what would you like to do? Because the water looks a little crazy right now. Calm, because Christ is here. Calm, because my confidence is in Christ. The end. Now, if I was by myself, <laughs> yeah, that's a different conversation. But when Christ is there with you, then why, why are we even having any kind of like, I don't understand. When they thought that Jesus was a ghost, Peter was the only one that was sensible enough to go, uh, once he was like, no, it's me, relax. Peter was like, bro, if that's you, tell me to come to you. Jesus was like, come on with it. The fact that he even had gall enough to say, I'm getting out the boat, wasn't because he used to walk on water back in fifth grade. It wasn't even because he's seen someone do this before. But he was bold enough to believe, bruh, if you called me out there and I know that's you, oh, then it's nothing else to talk about. His confidence was again cemented in Christ. Ananias, sir, you got told to go uh, pray over someone who just 15 minutes ago <laughs> probably uh, was killing Christians. What made you go from like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, he's killing folks and I'm kind of hesitant about that to full blown know if this is what I'm supposed to do, then this is what I'm led to do. Because in that particular situation, what you have to know is if God called you to it, there's a purpose for it. He will never lead you anywhere that he cannot provide you. There's always provision where he provides. And most importantly, he is banking on your particular obedience so that he can raise out a new level of faith in someone else. Imagine if Ananias was like not doing it. 
Saul can have a nice day, sir. God, I love you, but he can have a nice day. I'm not saying I don't love you. I'm just saying he can have a nice day. Like, if we can separate that in the good book, then I'm cool if that's how it's going to be written. But, like, I'm letting you know now. Like, there, that was such a minuscule moment. Ananias, go ahead and touch the scales off of, at that time, Saul's eyes. If Ananias would have said no, it's not that it would have altered the outcome of Saul turning into Paul and all of that. But if God trusted Ananias enough to go, Mm-mm, he's the one out of everybody else. Why did he choose you? Sometimes you got to be confident enough to say, "Ooh, God, if you trusted me with this, I know it's about to pop. <laughs> I know if you gave me this business idea, I know it's about to be lucrative. If you said, go ahead and move on this side of town and I don't know anyone here. Oh, I know you about to go ahead and make this crunk. If you're telling me to go ahead and, and start this particular venture to go to this particular job and people are clearly coming out of that career, people are clearly trying to get out that building. Oh, I know that you, you stirring up something new because I'm going to tell you now, in plain sight, I can't see what you're doing, but that's the beauty of walking in faith. Because if you're sending me, then I know I'm about to be a part of the greats. Where has God sent someone somewhere and it was just a mediocre transaction? Everything is purposeful. Every single thing has purpose attached to it. And it only gets overridden when people attach their emotions or their motives to a situation. It's not about you, Ananias. It's not about uh, the disciples in a boat. It's about if you override logic and whatever other human analytical process that you want to go ahead and fill in that blank, you will get to the next tier of your faith. Your belief system will be totally shifted, elevated, and your life will never look the same in a great way. And so when I was thinking about the Psalm 23 and I was like, hey, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Wait a minute. And what came along with that was, wait a minute. So when Jesus was baptized and the heavens opened up and a dove, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and Father God said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. The Bible says that the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. There was no hesitation from baptism to being led in the wilderness. Why? Because even Jesus demonstrated that if God is leading me there and he trusts me with this particular situation, oh, I know greatness is in the queue. Oh, I know something dope is about to come of this. Oh, I absolutely no. There's no doubt in my mind um, that the, the overcoming, the wind of this, W-I-N, it's not contingent on me. God just needed me to be present and to be obedient and aligned to whatever it is that he tells me to or not to do. But this whole entire thing is not banking on me. That's a lot of pressure. This whole entire thing is banking on me saying yes to God and pushing through even if it looks scary, even if human intellect is like, I don't know about that. When you push through, you'll see the provision of God. It really is that simple. And when I went ahead and read this in another way, I said with the same mindset and the same perspective, I want to look at the Israelites at the Red Sea differently. So Exodus 14, you know, I read in the NOT version. 
most of the chapters pretty much reading that, yo, Pharaoh finally caught up with the boys. <laughs> he got his chariots and he got the charioteers and he was like, yo, they went north. So we going north and then they turned east and then they made a left right here. So we and he caught up to them and it was getting real. And so the Israelites started hearing like, oh, my gosh, they coming to get us. Like, what's going to happen? And it you know, went ahead and displayed a little bit of fear and kind of conjured up some emotion. And so I want to start at verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people get moving. Pause. Uh, because God is gangster. <laughs> and what he's not going to do is pacify you when he know you can eat meat. Mm -hmm. There are some things that you are asking God for. And he's like, yeah, so... Like you're past that level. Yeah, you're past that level of me comforting you in this way. So before what I would have went, you know, it's okay. And, you know, I love you. And, you know, and sung a lullaby and did all of that. I'm not doing that now. You are very much filling the blank years old. And so if you want me to continue to keep feeding you, you know, smash pears and smash tomatoes, I'm not doing that. What I'm getting ready to do is to talk to you in the level that you need to be spoken to. So this is a little bit more stern because you're a little bit more mature. So um, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people, get moving. Oh, that's a completely different God. Then I got a couple of chapters go that was like, I heard my people tell them that I'm on my way. I'm listen, <laughs> tell them, tell them grandma on the way. I'm coming to get my baby. <laughs> you understand? It's a totally different, but God will discipline, direct and lead you according to where he knows you're at and not how you're performing. So sometimes you're not getting certain things answered because God is like, mm, you say you're ready, but you're not. Yeah. You want to, you want to what? You want to be your wife? Uh, you can't even tell buddy, stop calling you now. Hmm? Too much. We're going to keep going. Um, you say you want more income and you want that promotion. Mm, but look at the way you handle your money now. Hmm? Too much. We're going to keep going. Uh, and so there are certain things that are being asked of God that he hears your mouth, but he sees your character. And in here in the flip side in Exodus 14, uh, he heard the cry, but he knew what they were, what they were really ready for. This is not the time to go, you're afraid, it's okay, just pay attention. Listen, y'all hear the chariots? I hear them too. So why are you talking to me? Shouldn't you be moving perhaps? Is what I got from that. Let's keep moving. Okay, so 16. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. 17. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and charioteers. 18. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. 19. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. 20. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned into fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Pause. You know, I experienced a different kind of anger. I'm sorry, Exodus 14, 19 starts off by saying, what? Then the angel of God, 
who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. Pause. (laughs) Pause. You mean to tell me with tangible evidence that God is with you, literally, that God is leading you, literally, and that God is protecting you, literally, you still responded as if God was never there? Do you see the way that I'm looking at you? Okay, this may be for the Israelites, but I'm staring. Do you see my face through the phone? Time out. What? I'm sorry. Exodus 14, NLT, verse 19. I'm sorry. Give that to me in good English one more against. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. Move to the rear of the camp. Mm-hmm. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. Y'all was expressing all that fear and God was there. Y'all were getting afraid because of what you heard and you let it override what you literally see. I am appalled like literally that's a different kind of disrespect that's like being around season Milan and being afraid to walk past the dog I'm so do you not know this man's track record like he is the dog whisperer (laughs) okay if you didn't know who Caesar was but he is the dog whisperer that means that you should be walking I can't tell by the way I walk and talk no time I said I mean it should be nothing that makes you feel what fear fearful of what that's like walking around with Mike Tyson and biting your nails because your fifth grade or whatever bully that you had in middle school, what have you, is, ooh, they're across the street. That's literally like, I'm sorry, when someone has shown you their capacity in the thing, you still responding as if they never had the capacity at all? I'm not going to hold you. Praise God for being God. Because it's a few things you're going to do, but a disrespect, a blatant disrespect has never been it never sits well with me and for God to still treat them. Cause at first I was like, God, you still, that <laughs> that's a lot. The way you was like, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. But then when you read down a few more verses, you were like, because he's there, he's there. And you still crying like he's not, he's paid that last bill that scared you. And you still crying like he can't, he's healed you from that situation before. And you acting like he can't do it again. He's going to make you overcome that tight month that last time, that last situation. Whether it's in your life or somebody else's life, you've seen a public display of God can do it. You have a Bible that shows that he's done it before. And for whatever the reason, when the new situation comes up, it's almost like you get convenient Christian amnesia. Why? Praise God for God. Because I couldn't do it. 
I, you know how sometimes you're just like, you know what? You're just going to have to touch the stove and see it's hot. I'm not going to keep telling you. I'm not going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. It is insanity. But for God to love humans the way that he does, for he to look at it like, you know what? Y'all going to need somebody. And after this, I'm seeing y'all going to need a Holy Spirit. You're going to need a, the angels around you and camping you. You're going to, I just, I got to make sure y'all got an army because y'all make everything so complex and it's just just be way more simple it should have just been a matter of looking at God and going what now because it sounds like they're getting close that's it why is it complicated why are y'all crying versus the head talking about oh we should have been in Egypt we should have been this and the third and when I read this and I get angry it's the same amount of anger like when that financial situation comes intact why you get upset again why you getting nervous again how come you like oh I don't know how I'm gonna make it out this month the same way you made it out a couple more months ago are you doing what God said to do with your money are you being a good steward over the resources that you have so then why are you getting afraid as if he can't pull through once again like, that, that should really make you feel some way. It's like Mike Tyson looking at you like, what? Oh, you must not know my record. That's like the dog whisperer looking at you like, oh, because you don't know my record. It's okay for people who don't know and who are ignorant to what someone can actually do to, re to respond in particular ways. But when you don't have ignorance as your excuse, when you don't have anything else outside of just an emotion that will make you doubt, Everything that you know, you got a problem more than problems should be identified. I am not going to hold you. I try not to be the grandbaby that points in the direction of other grandbabies. So I'm going to go ahead and point at me. What I'm going to go ahead and say, it better not be a near, and I'm going to rip my teeth. There better not be a near another situation that occurs in your life where you are afforded, you afford yourself to have convenient Christian amnesia. You know what the Bible says. You know what God has done in your life. You know what God has done in someone else's life. But if you forget all of that, if it just so happened to be a backspace delete situation on those particular items, you know God. And there should never be a response to God as if you never knew God. How dare we, okay, how dare we allow for new circumstances to make us doubt a consistent God. What? And technically, is it even new at all? What does Ecclesiastes say? There's nothing new under the sun. As a matter of fact, if you do a little zoom out on your particular life, guess what you will see? The same items in heavy rotation. How can I be so confident to say that? Because I actually analyze the way that Satan tries to go ahead and taunt people and tempt people. What he did with Eve, literally in the garden, what did he tempt? He tempted her to want to eat fruit. He tempted her to want to go ahead and be more like God. And he tempted her to go outside of what the Bible or what God actually said to her. Then when it came to Jesus, what did he do in the wilderness? 
He tempted him with food, a.k.a. fruit. He tempted him on what the word actually says. You know, go ahead and throw yourself because the Bible says. So he went ahead and did the same thing. And then he went ahead and tempted him what he would be like God in this particular area. So if you bow down to me, I'll give you a kingdom. The three areas that he went ahead and tempted Eve in are the same three areas that he tempted Jesus in. So if you don't think that he's doing the same thing with you that he did at 20, he's going to do at 25, he's going to do at 32, he's going to do it at 36 and 7. It's just going to look the same. And when you finally get smart enough to go, hold on, this is like the Lamb Chop song, the repeated saga of all repeated sagas. I should know how this turns out. It's the same thing. Let me guess. You got an unexpected bill? Okay, let me guess. You got a report from that particular doctor? Let me guess. Somebody in your life that's close to you hurt you? And give it a little break because the Bible does say that once he couldn't tempt Jesus no more in the wilderness, that he went off later um, for a later time. And then the angels came and did what? They went ahead and strengthened and, and catered to Jesus, right? And then guess what Satan does again? He comes right back with the same song. He's not even trying to disguise it. That's why you like, time out. I dealt with this kind of supervisor before at a previous job. Time out. I had the same situation happen around this particular season of my life before. I had the same financial issue. around that. Like, if you really started zooming out and started getting wise, you will realize, oh, my gosh. Buddy is tempting and tormenting or attempting to in the same fill-in-the-blank areas. And when you get smart enough to know, mm-mm. No, I'm sorry. I'm. I understand now that uh, you're low on temptation, sir. You only you only got a three uh show game. Yeah, it's it's, it's like you dribble, dribble, shoot. You got a three shot, and then you got a layup, and then that's your whole basketball game. Like that that that's boring. I'm I'm not gonna hold you. So when you start to figure out, oh, he's just a three trick pony, and that God wins every time, shouldn't your posture and response be way different? now and forevermore i mean just asking a logical question uh, it's a logical question to a logical grandbaby you understand so what is my challenge to you my challenge to you is that whatever is happening in your life i need you to pose this particular question was i led there because with that question comes a confidence of oh bro i'm not about to worry listen israelites used to be slaves. Uh, they were let out. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the last thing I'm getting ready to do is panic on something that's like, mm -mm, but God led me here. Yeah. The disciples in the storm right before that, the Bible says that, uh, Jesus told them to go ahead and cross over and go over there while he went over here to go pray in private. Um, the last thing I'm gonna think is that something's going to happen to me. And Jesus led me here. Mm -mm, I was led here. No sleeping on the boat. Why the, all the other things is happening and Jesus at the bottom just sleeping comfortably with his head on the um, pillow soft mattress situation. Uh, why am I being afraid? He let me here. Not only did he let me here, he's here. Ananias, I'm not scared to touch Paul. Not scared at all because I didn't lead myself here. Jesus tempted in the wilderness. Who led him there? The Holy Spirit. 
Yeah, there's a couple of, so when I would have been with this new mindset at the Red Sea, no way I, I would have felt any kind of way because I didn't lead myself here. I was led here. That's where the source of your confidence comes from. That's where the source of your, mm -mm. no, no, no. Usually if it was any other situation, I would have been afraid. I would have been scared. I, first I was afraid. Now I'm petrified. I, trust me, I would have been adding interlude to that song. But there is something about knowing I did not leave myself here. I was led here. And because I was led here, God's going to feed me here. God's going to win here. And God is going to prevail here. The end. Let that question permeate in every arena of your life, now and forevermore. If you led there, he's there with you. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. You understand that? And you don't get no slack because you know what it is to be led now. So you don't get to cry out like you never knew what it was to be in a situation before. Like you never had that particular expense come up. Like you, no, it's the same thing. Oh, remember three chick pony, three trick pony is what he is. The other, uh, the darkness dude, I don't want to give him no play. The element OP. Okay. The enemy. You see what I'm saying? I just want us to get to a place that we're different that we walk different because we understand different, that we're becoming different and that we're not still being tormented over the same things. So just ask yourself that question. Was I led here? And then once you're able to honestly say, yeah, I was, I'm not worrying about this marriage. God led me here. I'm not worrying about this job. God led me here. I'm not worrying about how I'm going to make ends meet at this particular new state, this particular new whatever your location is, apartment, house, blah, blah. God let me here. I'm not worrying about how I'm getting ready to pay that car note or this, that, and that. Mm -mm. God let me here. And if you can honestly say that you live a God-led lifestyle, then fear should be so foreign to you. Were you led there? It's the question that will lead supreme for now and forevermore. But listen, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm -hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? Mm -hmm. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to add and have with you. But your favorite homegirl. So, show dope conversation, if I say myself. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and get something to eat real quick because the growl that happens inside, mm, I want to go ahead and make it be quiet. So I'm going to talk to you later, okay? I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. We talk later. All right. <laughs> later. <laughs>